0: W H H H FM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's open lines. Your eye on the community on high 96, three. One, Hold up.
1: And good Sunday morning to you, Indianapolis. It is the first Sunday in October. October 3rd, 2021. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, coming to you from the Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC studios in downtown Indianapolis. On this hour this Sunday, uh, we will talk to you for a good portion of the show, talk with you, that is, about the Indianapolis African-American Quality of Life Survey. You might remember a couple of months ago, back in the summer, we spent an entire hour using this airspace as an official forum with the Indianapolis Urban League to discuss if money was no issue because the money was there. What would you like to see done in Indianapolis for Indianapolis to make Indianapolis a better place to live? And you gave us all kinds of options. Uh, This was a forum as well as Tina Cosby show on our sister station, WTLC. And then a number of listening sessions uh, were held throughout the community to get your input this morning. We'll get an update on that feedback feedback that you gave uh, and also give you an update on several more opportunities you have this month of October uh, to get in front of the folks who are directing this survey to get your input officially on record. We'll spend a good portion of the show talking about that starting around uh, about 815, 820 this morning. Uh, But uh, we'll also, give you some information about um, a mental health symposium that is happening this week. I guess that would be next week, Um, but happening uh, next week uh, from the Christian Theological Society. Uh, National Suicide Prevention Month was September, but just because it's October does not mean that the effort for um, taking care of your mental health comes to an end when the calendar changes. We'll be talking with Deneen Collins here coming up in just a few moments to Uh, Give you a preview of a list of good folks that they have who you can talk with to get some information for you or yourself, all of you or someone you know. I'm trying to send. We'll talk about all that and more coming up here in just a few moments, but first, let's get you caught up on what is happening today in the news. Well, you might not want to talk about it, but snow season is coming. And that means salt trucks and snow plows will be out on the road. But in order to do that, DPW first needs to find the people to drive them. Both the Indianapolis Department of Public Works as well as the Indiana Department of Transportation are hosting a hiring event with the goal of hiring 20 to 30 employees with pay rates starting around $20 an hour. Indy's DPW has more than 100 open positions across the entire operation. Carmel Clay Schools is moving its school board meetings online for the foreseeable future due to safety concerns and disruptive behavior school board members have been face to face with irate parents for the past several months first during the discussions of that non-existent critical race theory lesson plan and now more recently over the covid 19 guidelines and mask requirements you might even remember back in july when a handgun was dropped on the floor by an audience member The Carmel School District says the final straw was broken this past Monday when an outside group deliberately orchestrated multiple disruptions to the business portion of the meeting. When the board called for recess, the group booed and began name calling and continued their rude and inappropriate behavior. The drawn maps of Indiana's congressional and legislative districts have been approved by state Republicans. You remember we talked about this on the show two weeks ago. Republican lawmakers gave their final approval Friday and then brushed off the objections that the new maps may give them an excessive advantage and dilute the votes of minorities and urban voters. The new maps now need the signature of Governor Holcomb before the coming law. In the forecast, fall is here. Are you enjoying it? Are you loving it? Or are you hating it? We'll get lots of rain like we did yesterday over the next few days. Uh, Saturday coming up is actually going to be the next dry day that we will see on the calendar. We'll catch some thunderstorms today with a high of 73 degrees. And then we'll stay in the low 70s for the entire work week. Right now, it is 68 degrees in Indy. And at 8.06 on this Sunday morning, those are your news headlines. I told you a moment ago about the Christian Theological uh, Seminary hosting a mental health symposium coming up on October 11th. That is next week, not this week. Uh, but September, of course, was National Suicide Prevention Month. But as the calendar turns to October, the Christian Theological Society is continuing their mental health conversation. The CTS Recruiting and Admissions Department is hosting a mental health symposium to offer a safe and virtual space uh, for dialogue and self-love for those who are in or who may know someone who is facing a mental health crisis. Deneen Collins joins us on our live line right now to tell us more. Deneen, good morning.
2: Good morning. How
1: are you? I'm good, Deneen. How are you? I'm wonderful and blessed. Amen. Glad that you are here. We've made it to another month in this pandemic, of course, and it's it's good. <laughs> it's good to just be able to say, "Hey, we are here," because we know You're like, right. we know someone, so many people who are not doing well right now. Danine, tell us about um, the mental health symposium coming up on the eleventh. Yeah.
2: So October, actually, uh, October tenth is World Mental Health Day. So we wanted to kind of piggyback on that. Um, and offer this uh, mental health symposium on Monday, the 11th. So Christian Theological Seminary, as many know in the community, is a seminary that prepares um, folks to go out and be spiritual leaders and leaders in the community, servant leaders in the community. And this is our way of giving back. So the forum really is focused on... um, those that do, those that are in the community that are leading, those in the community that are givers, those in the community that are caretakers. Um, So our clergy and our chaplains and our therapists and our mental health providers and allies and others, we're all, like you said, in a crazy place Mm -hmm. right now. And uh, I have teenagers in the house, so trying to get them through high school in in this crazy, crazy time. And so our pastors and our ministers are trying to lead their congregations and help folks too. And so CTS is usually about, you know, training those folks in our community. And so we wanted to open the door and give back and say, hey, You know, we are here as a resource. We have a wonderful um, bed of resources available here at CTS. And so we want to open the door and give back um, to those servant leaders to say, here's a safe place where you guys can come. We have a wonderful panel of experts that are going to really talk and focus on grief, anxiety, and depression Um, things that we typically don't talk about in our community, um, especially in the church or in other spaces. And so we want to just be able to have a safe space for those dialogues. And uh, our hope is that those that attend the seminary are able to find new tools to put in their toolkits or sharpen those that are already there, um, great reminders, but more than anything, just to know that um, CTS is here. We're here as a resource for for our community.
1: Uh, you talked about how, you know, you have high schoolers and you're trying to get them together. This is, uh, you know, anybody could, could listen into this, but this is really talking about um, caring for the caretakers, the people who have all that weight on their shoulders. And we know if a lot of people know that weight of you're trying to take care of yourself and then others make sure they have everything they need, but you can't properly take care of them if you're not taking care of yourself.
2: Exactly. So this is really about, you know, self-care, these words that are, are coming into our daily vocabulary that, especially in our community, weren't there before. You know, our parents' generation, they didn't didn't use the word self-love, self-care. It was all about giving 275% to their kids, to their family, to their parents, um, to the community. My parents were were very active in the community, and a lot of times they were depleted, so not that I mean, don't get me wrong, my parents were awesome, you know, beyond awesome. But I looked at my parents and the women in my family and I'm just like, I like I can't be that superwoman. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how to do that without absolutely exhausting myself. And so this is really that time where we are able to, you know, there's a lot of reckoning going on around our world right now with social justice and equity, but this is also a time to really sit back and say and reflect, I can't help somebody else if I can't help myself. Mm -hmm. Like I can't give any more if I'm depleted myself. So this is kind of um, our way to help fill those coffers back up to kind of sit back and talk with others that are in those same spaces and situations so that they can um, you know, sharpen those tools to be able to get back out there, like shine their armor up, change their their breath, put, you know, put on some new marching boots.
1: Well, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you because I will take a what I call a Cameron day in a minute. Right. If I if <laughs> I'm, look, I'm not going to be a good coworker to you if if I'm completely drained and I don't even want to look at you or I don't want to hear anything that you have to say. So I'm going to do us both a favor and i'm gonna stay home tomorrow and then i'll see you uh in two days after (laughs) i can i'm gonna do absolutely nothing or do whatever i want to do but it's not going to be here i have no issue and as you said the the next generation uh, of people um has is really becoming more comfortable with doing that for all the same reasons that you said because it's been on those those days that i've had a really bad day i'm like cameron you shouldn't have did that i'm like you know what Mm -hmm. I probably shouldn't have come to work in the first place on that day because I, I it was I was in a bad place from the beginning. So I, I am totally all for that. So I'm just saying, people, take your your you days, take your mental health days. That's why you have the PTO. Use it if you have it. Um you've got a a three-hour block of of panelists starting at mm-hmm. 9 a.m. until noon. Tell me who we're gonna hear from.
2: So, we have a wonderful panelists. So, I'll be moderating the program. We have Reverend uh, Dr. Uh, Christina Davis. Uh, she is the Clinical Assistant Professor of Marriage and Family Counseling, our therapy department um, at CTS. We have Reverend Ayana Garrett, who is an alumni of CTS but is now the Associate Dean of Student Life at CTS who will be offering prayer. Um, we have doctors Renee Gill and doctors Glenn Williams. They are both, uh, psychiatrists. Uh, Dr. Williams is triple board psychiatrist. And so, um, they're there to really provide that clinical side as well with Dr. Davis. And then we have, Um, Reverend Natasha Donald Howard, who is a chaplain, but she is also a CTS student right now in our doctorate of ministry, but she brings a a great lens and perspective from a chaplain's view. And so, um, each panelist will be talking about specific, um, subject matter and, but all panelists are there to, to help and to dive into the conversation. So there will be time for discussion. There will be breakout sessions. So this is very interactive. This is not like the old Socratic method where you sit and just listen this is very participatory. It is very um, active. We want everyone to come and come with their questions and and come with issues, real life experiences. So we're able to talk, talk them
1: through that. Good. And that was the next thing I was going to ask you, is this a conversation? And you just answered it. It is a place to ask questions and get answers to them in real time. Of course, in this virtual space, uh, the names that Danine just mentioned to you all uh, are the names of all Black women who will be uh, on the leading these panels. Uh, if you want to know more about who they are and you can actually see their faces by going uh, to their website and registering, Danine, how can people do that?
2: Yes, yeah, so it is a free virtual event. So grab coffee, grab your your donuts, <laughs> grab your breakfast. Um, before the day of the event, head to cts.edu. You can click our events page um, and it will take you to information about the mental health symposium. And you will see the header CTS mental health symposium for the caretakers. Um, You'll be able to register. And once you are registered, The link for the symposium will be sent to you, and you'll also get reminders prior to the event and then the day of the event. So we're very excited and hope to see everybody there.
1: And that starts at 9 a.m. on October 11th. Give us that website information one more time.
2: Sure. It's cts.edu backslash events, or you can just go to cts.edu and click events in our menu bar and it'll take you to the link for registration.
1: Deneen Collins with CTS joining us this morning live on Open Lines. Deneen, thank you so much for starting your week with us and letting us know about these resources that you guys have put together for us.
2: Thank you so much, Cameron. It's been a pleasure, and thanks for for allowing us to speak out and let the community know that um, what's happening over at CTS.
1: Absolutely, especially with our mental health. It is so important as we go through Umpteenth month of, of a pandemic with, with everything, <laughs> yes. every, on top of everything else that's going on. In the
2: world. On top of everything else. And can I just give a quick shout out yes, to my, my niece? She's turning 16 in this pandemic, and it's such a milestone year. But happy birthday, Ayla Ginley Owens. Um, she's a student at North Central High School. She's a swimmer. She's a fantastic young lady, and I want to wish her a happy 16th birthday.
1: Shoutouts on the radio usually help make up for things, so yeah. <laughs> I think that will count for something. All right, thank you so much, Deneen. Have a good day. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, uh, the Christian Theological Seminary hosting their mental health symposium. That is on October 11th from 9 until noon. The information is on their website, uh, cts.edu, and you can find the events page and register, get your questions asked and answered in this mental health uh, symposium Again, October 11th from the Christian Theological Seminary. If you can't remember the website, Google CTS Mental Health Symposium, October 11th. All right. Um, coming up here on the show, we will be talking about the Indianapolis African-American Quality of Life Initiative. You'll remember we talked about that months ago when we spent an hour here on the radio to just um, get your thoughts Get your suggestions, your recommendations on what would you do to make Indianapolis a better place? Well, uh, we asked and you answered. And so now it's time to get an update on um, what it is that you asked, what it is you recommended from uh, what would you like to do to see to make black life um, better here in Indianapolis. The money is there to do it. What would you like to see done? We will continue that conversation with Tony Mason and Willis Bright, uh, who are behind some of the folks who are behind that quality of life survey. All that more, and we will talk with you for the rest of the show. Uh, because this is also an opportunity for you to add in to those ideas. We'll talk more about the quality of life survey and your suggestions when Open Lines continues on Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC.
0: We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, your voice. We are your eye on the community. It's Open Lines on Hot 96.3. Keeping you connected to what's happening in our city. It's Open Lines on Hot 96.3.
1: we are back here on Open Lines on Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC on this first Sunday of October 2021. So glad you are here with us on this Sunday morning. Uh, as we told you earlier this year, we had a full hour here on the radio talking about the Indianapolis Quality of Life Initiative. Um we asked her for a we we spent a full hour here on open lines, and this was an official forum to ask you if the money was there. What would you like to see happen to improve the quality of life for African Americans in Indianapolis? Uh, well, this morning we have an update on that. Uh, Tony Mason, Willis Bright, and lost my lost my page here. Uh, Doctor. Hang on. Now, where did my sheet go? Hang on. So this is what happens when you write uh, things down Um, and I got a bunch of papers in front of me and I don't remember where it was. Oh, there it is. Dr. Carlin Tishner. Uh, All of these folks are standing by on our live line um, to give us an update. Um, The feedback that they have heard from you on this show, on Tina Cosby's show, on a number of different in-person or uh, virtual forums that they have had over the past uh, several months uh, to see what it is you as the public through these listening sessions have said you want to see happen here in Indianapolis to improve the overall quality of life uh, here in Indy. And now this month they will have five additional meetings that are all virtual um, that you can be part of and the first one is coming up on Wednesday October 6th we'll have details on that in the other four sessions that are happening uh, this month but right now let's go to our live line and talk uh, to Tony to Willis and to Dr. Carlin who are all on our live line right now gentlemen good morning
3: Good morning. good morning, good morning, good morning, thank so you so much for Cameron.
1: having us. Absolutely glad to have all of you guys here. Uh, first, tell us, it was I think it was in June that we had the forum here on Open Lines. Uh, what have you guys learned between October and June?
3: Sure, so good, good morning, Cameron. This is Tony Mason, President and CEO of the Indianapolis Urban League, and we want to thank you and Radio 1 for allowing us to come on in June And to do several, you know, segments to reach the community, uh, just to level set uh, the Indianapolis African American Quality of Life Initiative is is essentially the product of the relationship between the Indianapolis Urban League, the National Urban League, and the African American Coalition of Indianapolis. And as most in the community will recall, last August, uh, August of 2020, the Lilly Endowment made a $100 million grant to the National Urban League for the purposes of our organizations working with everyone in the community to establish the uh, Indianapolis African American Quality of Life Program. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
3: the, you know, The National Urban League, for some may or may not know this, is a historic civil rights or- organization, an urban advocacy agency with 90 affiliates across the country and 300 communities, and we happen to be one of those affiliates. The Indianapolis uh, Urban League has been around since uh, the fall of 1965, providing programs and services in this community. And then you have the African-American Coalition of Indianapolis, my dear uh, friend and and mentor and co-director of the initiative, Mr. Willis Bright. Uh, He leads the African-American Coalition of Indianapolis, and Willis is with us. Willis, you might share a little bit about uh, the the AACI before we talk about what we learned.
4: Uh, Thanks, Tony. Uh, The African-American Coalition of Indianapolis is a group of groups. There are more than 20 community, uh, religious, civic, and social organizations uh, ranging from the uh, Indianapolis Urban League, Indiana Black Expo, uh, to groups such as 100 Black Men, 100 Black Women, Purpose for My Pain, uh, Prevent Violence, Indianapolis, uh, that come together to promote more opportunities for our input into the political process. You've possibly seen some of our resolutions that we've presented, whether it's related to police action shootings, or our forums uh, for mayoral candidates, for senatorial candidates, and uh, you may have even witnessed our demonstration at the state house when we felt that black lawmakers were being disrespected. And we uh, spoke to not only that action, but to the bills that they have taken uh, positions on. So uh, we continue to be active and we are one of the voices that's been part of helping give input into what is the quality of life and uh, to monitor what has been going on. And Dr. Tishner has been part of the team that has been gathering that information and will share with you some of the things we found out.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Cameron, you know what, on the front end of this, the promises that we made to the endowment and even to the National Urban League for that matter were that first and foremost, we would get feedback and thoughts and recommendations from black people in this community, regardless of place or station. Mm-hmm. And so we, we established two processes, the first one being a community opportunities assessment, and the second one being an issues prioritization process. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about the comprehensive opportunities assessment, and then you're going to hear from Dr. Carlin Tishner about the uh, issues prioritization process. So, a little a little bit about the COA, the, Co- the Comprehensive Opportunities Assessment. We made sure working with Engaging Solutions and Black Onyx Management. And so, you know, both of those entities are doing great work in our community. Engaging Solutions has been around 15 or 20 plus years doing this work. And so, they spoke to community ambassadors, they conducted community leadership meetings, they conducted public meetings, one-on-one interviews, community surveys. We even had a televised youth forum on Wish TV. Mm-hmm. We had youth focus groups. And of course, the radio forum that was held on your stadium and also as well as on Tina Cosby's show uh, were a part of that effort. And so we know that with during that process, we had over 1,800 people who were interviewed. Uh, we had another 1,100 or 1,200 that were surveyed. The segmentation included, and so we talked to, in essence, people that you could put into 27 categories, but it was everyone from Gen Z through the silent generation, grassroots, business, entrepreneurs, returning citizens, single parents, pastors, you name it. And one of the, the key emerging themes that came out of all of this, camera was that our people said this, no one seems to care about us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's, you know, you have to rest on that. And Mm -hmm. it didn't matter what age group, what segmentation, no one seems to care about us. Uh, We know that, you know, from, uh, you know, other themes that came out of it was just the sense of notion that we know that we talk about improving the quality of life for African Americans. Most said it almost always boils down to access and equity that it was important to build economic wealth for our community and not just providing Band-Aid effects, recognizing that, you know, no one can guarantee anyone happiness, but you would like to be able to guarantee everyone the ability to pursue it. People talked about the quality of life meaning to them that you can just enjoy the things that are important to you. And so there were a lot of thoughts and feelings that were shared, the top priorities from the community Uh, that came out of it, you know, this will not surprise you, and then you'll hear from Dr. Tishner, that when we look at the the barriers, the most significant barriers facing African Americans in the space of of health and wellness, limited access to healthy food options, mental health being a major issue that impacts the black community disparately, housing, that we, we mostly live in blighted neighborhoods, and that we have lack of access to affordable housing, and of course, you know everyone in this community knows someone that is, that is facing eviction or foreclosure right now. Uh, also in the areas of business and entrepreneurship, that black businesses need access to capital, access to procurement opportunities. In education, we're lacking quality education, struggling schools that are under-resourced, which is part of the problem. And then we also know that in some instances or in many instances, charter schools are benefiting you know, to the detriment of public schools. And we are also lacking quality pre-K options. Early childhood learning is significant. And then with respect to employment, lacking access to quality jobs that pay a, limited, that pay a living wage. And we know that uh, there are also a number of other barriers that affect the quality of life, you know, in our community for African Americans. We, we have under-resourced communities, under-resourced community centers, Uh, And there's so many needs. And as you know, Cameron, this is just all supported by the data that, you know, we see each and every day, you know, with respect to housing, Mm -hmm. you know, black, black home ownership is 35%. We know that we know that before 2007, it was approaching almost 50% job creation, black unemployment was over 10 percent from 2010 through to, to, through 2019 food insecurity we know that we have 82,000 African Americans in our community living in food deserts uh, Black business development Indianapolis ranks 55th out of 85 metropolitan cities when it mm. comes to black business formation and then the most sobering statistic of all when we think about schools and education you know our pass rate, for both uh, language and math on the most recent I-Learn test for Marion County, excluding Speedway, range from 28 to 10.9%. We're talking about for our 3rd through 8th graders, and then 4.8% to 22.7% for 11th grade for the I-STEP. So this is all troubling, especially education, where we know that the the... Indiana Department of Workforce Development Commissioner Fred Payne has shared that current and, uh, and future job segments will require, 62% will require post-secondary education and or training. We've got a lot of young people who will not be able to complete training programs, pass tests, to get their credentials so that they can get access to good jobs.
1: So in all of that, uh, and this morning yeah. we are on we are on sure. the air give, give getting an update on the yeah. uh, Indianapolis African American Quality of Life survey that we've uh, been talking about for the past couple of months on the air this morning with Tony Mason, Willis Bright, and Carlin Tishner. Gentlemen, was there was there anything in there that was surprising?
3: No, which, you know, we fully expect it and we are aware of the struggles of African Americans in this community, but what we wanted to do Was to to affirm and give a platform for African-Americans to share their thoughts and their feelings. Now, this this is everyday folks that we're talking about, the community opportunities assessment. Dr. Tishner is going to talk to you about the issues prioritization process and that's where we put our thought leaders, practitioners and our experts together with other communities to talk about the priorities in all of the areas that I mentioned. So we're talking about education, employment, health, housing, as well as black business development and entrepreneurship. And so he's going to have even more information for you. And so it would be good for us to turn it over to Dr. Tishner at this time.
1: So Dr. Tishner, what's the prioritization of what you're hearing?
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. So first, uh, again, thank you for having me, Cameron, and um, having us Um, I I want to just share a little bit, uh, and Tony and Willis did a a great job of uh, summarizing uh, the work to this point, Um, but our issue prioritization process uh, that, again, combined and connected to the COA that Tony shared uh, was a, a culmination of 163 experts across Indianapolis, Marion County, in those five pillar categories that were referenced before, education, home ownership, and housing, employment business and entrepreneurship, um, and, of course, um, our fifth one, um, which is very important, health and wellness. And, And in those five categories, these 163 came together across up to seven meetings in their individual groupings to identify what are the priorities. Tony said very well, we know the data, we know the problems, we know the challenges, but we need to identify what are the best strategies to respond to what we know. And so that was the purpose of this issue prioritization process. Experts we define as individuals that have been in the work, um, in the field, with the organization that specializes, or those who study the problem and have identified some solutions that are evidence-based, sustainable, and scalable. And that's really the way we structured it, because we wanted to certainly identify priorities that we know that we can build upon, but most importantly, that had immediate impact in our community. I do want to share a couple of of the most, I think, common issues across all of the five pillars, and we call them themes. We know that there are systemic barriers in the community, such as racism, prejudice, and discrimination, and many of the outcomes that Tony mentioned are a consequence of the existing barriers that are present. We know that there's a need for advocacy and a policy focus, and this, again, was common across all pillars. That's something we need to focus on. We know there's a need for information and education, knowledge, as well as literacy, competence, and understanding, and ability to be able to implement what you know. We know that there's a significant need for support and mentoring, capacity building, and professional development and technical assistance. But we also know that it is important for us to address mental health and behavioral health and the trauma history of folks in our community. So those were common, and it's important for us to set the foundation of that conversation first before we begin to talk about what the specific priorities were in each of the pillars. And and today, I'll give you a couple for each of them. So with business and entrepreneurship, a lot of the conversation was around, as Tony mentioned, capacity building and equity. And so one of the priorities that emerged was a response to the reality that the average business requires about $17,000 of investment in order to begin to function. And we know that the average African-American has no more than $9,000 in his or her bank account. What that means is that that individual will have to take out a loan from someone they know, a family member, or a friend. Likely, they, they may not have access to such a person. And so they go to the bank, which might limit their access furthermore, as an example of the systemic barriers that I spoke about earlier. So we heard that there needs to be a focus on equity funding, increasing the access of black businesses and entrepreneurs to various types of business development funding so that they have access to the initial investment so that they can then scale and have long-term viability. The other strategy in business that we found really important from the group of our five extremely valuable facilitators of the process was that there's a need for business capacity building. And so the priority really was around the need to increase in education and experiences and mentoring so that knowledge, skill, and professionalism is expanded and that there's a long-term stability of entrepreneurs and businesses at all stages of their development. So we need to focus and target on that aspect of the black business community. When we moved to housing and home ownership, Tony referenced a lot of the data and statistical needs in our community in Marion County, Indianapolis, and that was uplifted by the housing and home ownership pillar. They highlighted two really important strategies that we share today. Number one is that there's a need to support the current owner of a home. To make sure that they have sustainable ability to stay there, if they so desire. And so, what needs to happen is that needs to be home ownership and economic mobility support, so that there's an increase in owner-occupied home repair grants and financing to support current owners, especially Black neighborhoods, so that we can reduce the likelihood of gentrification. Mm-hmm. The second priority that emerges is this issue around racial equity and housing development. We know that there are a significant amount of black led organizations, real estate developers who often are not having access to funding to be able to invest in the communities that they have passion for, commitments to and relationships with. And so the community at large talked about the need to create a fund that focuses on expanding housing development, but that primarily gives access to equity funding and pre-development funding for African American-led real estate developers and community development organizations, so that they can target those communities and reduce the likelihood, again, of gentrification, but also reduce the likelihood that wealth is diminished because folks are not able to maintain their homes, stay in the places where they want to stay, and ultimately receive the services that they deserve in the context of their housing um, and home ownership. And as a case,
1: go ahead. <clears throat> go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say we are. The phone's been ringing. And we are on the air this morning with uh, the an update on the Indianapolis African-American Quality of Life survey. For folks who want to get in, I think we'll, we'll be able to take a couple of phone calls here. But I also want to mention, as you're hearing this, and you may not be able to get through on the phone line, but maybe you have something you want to add, there are five public meetings in October where you can jump in on this conversation. The first one is October 6th, followed by October 9th, the 12th, the 13th, and the 20th, the time and dates are online. You can get that information at I-A-A-Q-L-I. That's I-A-A-Q-L-I.org. Dr. Tishner, go ahead.
0: Yeah, so just a a couple of more um, pillars to share. Um, So moving to education, and again, Tony Willis alluded to this earlier, is there's a need for development of teachers and leaders that are culturally responsive. We know that when a student has someone in front of them who is intentionally relational, intentionally developmental, and intentionally progressive in the way that they engage, youth, especially understanding where they come from and the assets that they come with to school, that student is better able to self-actualize in the context of school. And so the education pillar talked highly about the need to invest in teachers and leaders so that they become more culturally responsive at the pre-service level, and then, of course, those who are already practicing in pre-K. It's important for us to focus on culturally responsive pedagogy and discipline practices so that we can reduce the prison to uh, the school of prison pipeline that we all know well happens in our community. The second priority that emerged in education was the need to respond to the reality that there is a limited amount of African-American, Black, and Brown people in K-12 education. So what do we need to do? We need to Focus on recruiting and retaining those teachers of color, leaders and educators. And so our investment needs to be on how do we target, how do we support, how do we build capacity, and how do we ensure that burnout doesn't happen for black and brown individuals in the context of K-12 school. We know that two percent of the entire education is represented by males of color, black males in particular, just two percent. So we need to grow that so that we can have more success at the representation level. And then the third priority that I think is important for us to share in education is this need to invest in early childhood education, pre-K to third grade, third and four-year-olds. These individuals are often without access to high-quality experiences, and so we need to be intentional about investing in that population so that by the time they get to third grade, there's no issue with the percentage of those who can read competently. When we move to employment, and you can see there's a connection between all of these priorities, employment supports the need for technical skill development and employability, and really a need to focus on justice-involved individual adults, as well as recent graduates of high school, who may not choose to go to college, but desire to go into career and need access to skill development so that they can move into areas that allow them to have a livable wage, as Tony mentioned. And then a need for us to invest in individuals who have previously been out of work and desire to return to work. So thinking about the technical uh, skills that are needed, but also technology-based industries that are currently investing in, in community How can we leverage such access and target on these three subgroups?
1: Dr. Tishner, I'm going to stop you right there because it's 850 uh, Mm -hmm. and the phone's been ringing. We've got these five different listening sessions coming up. Um, Can can you take suggestions right now from folks who have called in and and listened? Cameron? Yes.
3: Cameron, it would be helpful if Mr. Bright had the opportunity to talk about what's next in the process. He can do that real quickly and then we can take questions it's likely people will want to know what's next in the process
1: mr bright to you
4: yes uh very quickly uh, what's next is we are taking these priorities and developing requests for proposals in each of those areas and over the next months a uh, request will go out for proposals to organizations that believe they can respond to some of these questions. Those will be announced uh, on our website and through other media so that people can begin to look forward to those requests for proposals uh, over the next months.
1: So and okay so that that's very 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 important the headline of this whole hour is now it's the, the take action portion. So say that part one more time. Now if you have ideas on how to execute some of the priorities that Dr. Carlin Tishner laid out, now's the opportunity to get your requests for proposals to make take some action.
4: Yes, and those will be written very specifically so that we can be sure that organizations that are charitable organizations that believe they can respond to those particular issues. And all that's what the request for proposal does. It says, here's what the situation is. Can you do these kinds of things? Mm -hmm. People will have to document that they can do that. Their budget will have to fit what it is they propose to do and they will have to have an evaluation strategy that shows that they will know that they did what they said they were going to do. So there will be a formal process. It will all be done online, but we will have instructions for that as we uh, provide the various RFPs. They will not all be done at one time, and uh, not for every issue that was prioritized, because this is a five-year initiative. And I think people have to recognize that it's a five-year initiative. So there will be some things that will come out the first year, some things that will be RFP the second and third and fourth year of this particular initiative. Mm Uh, I want to just touch very, very briefly. You asked whether there were any surprises. I think one of the surprises was the deep sense of how mental health issues cut across everything from employment to schooling, just to daily life, and that we need to do things that would improve mental health. Another thing was the feeling that there's two black Americans uh, here in Indianapolis. That there are some people that are doing very, very well and others that uh, have more disparities in their lives.
2: Mm -hmm. And
4: that that there is some lack of uh, communication even between those two uh, pieces of black Indianapolis, that there are divides between those. So those are two things that came out that were uh, very interesting and somewhat
1: surprising. So
4: that makes a and lot of
1: that makes a lot of sense to me. Go ahead, Hey, Cameron,
3: we're anticipating announcing the first set of grant awards before the Christmas holiday, and we're anticipating that, and a lot of this will be contingent upon the application and the request. We're anticipating that we will allocate somewhere in the area of. 12 to 15 million in the first round. And as well as shared, we need for everyone to remember that this is a five year process. It's a five year grant.
1: All right. We've got five minutes here left in the show. Uh, And as you heard now, it is go time. So your ideas, get your requests for proposals. um, Start thinking. If you know, Somebody who needs to be involved with this, now's the time to call them because it is go time. But you guys are still listening, uh, and you're having public meetings this month, correct?
3: Yes. Yes, we are.
1: All right. Once again, those dates are October 6th. That one is at 6 to 7. These are all virtual, and you can find them on the Indianapolis Urban League's Facebook page. So you can go there and also go to uh, org for more information on those times for October 6th, the 9th the 12th, the 13th, and the 20th. With five minutes left in the show, let's try to take a couple phone calls and do may, maybe give everybody uh, 30 seconds each uh, so we can get a couple calls in, and then we'll have to wrap up the show uh, for this Sunday. So caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this?
3: Hey, Cameron. How you doing this morning?
1: I'm good, sir. I'm going to be serious about it. You got 30 seconds.
3: I, I know. Hey, guys. I want to say greetings to the staff. I just wanted to know if there's any way that us as a community can help you guys, because $100 million from the Lillian down the is really not going to be enough. How can we go to the bank presidents and, and these types of folks and have that conversation with them as far as the, them helping us, uh, as far as with our finances and different things that we need uh, to build our own community back up? So what can we do as a community to help you guys um, uh, uh, make sure that uh, everything that you guys want comes to pass? So that's my that's my question. Uh, Thank you guys for uh, uh, spending time with us this morning, giving us the value information. Everybody else have a great day today. And thank you. And that's my comment.
1: Thank you, sir. Gentlemen, you have an answer for that? Yes,
3: absolutely. Uh, We have also been in the process of having meetings with uh, business leadership in this community, because uh, as the caller just just said, one hundred million dollars. That's seed money to start to address the issues and the challenges facing African Americans in Indianapolis. I think the greatest thing that everyone in this community can do to help us is to understand that this initiative is really for us and by us and embrace that. The Lilly Endowment and the National Urban League have been very intentional about letting us come up with the priorities and, and hopefully ultimately the solutions to address the challenges facing our people in this community. And so we want to make sure that the, the first first things first, people attend the session on, to, on on the October 6th. Attend the session. Hear what we have to say. That will be important.
1: Uh, 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. Uh, three minutes left in the show. Let's go to the phones for another caller. Good morning. You're live on the air. Who's this? Yes, um, this the Georgia boy. Georgia boy, you got 30 seconds, hit it. Uh look at here, listen. I'm down here in Miami. I went to the funeral
0: home yesterday here in Miami to make arrangements for my uh, uh putting my Anita to rest, and the funeral lady told me that they got so many uh uh COVID deaths. She have funeralized so many. So I'm saying to people, make sure you get those shots. And I can't wait to get on back to Atlanta. Miami is a mess down in here. All right, y'all take care up there.
1: All right, thank you so much. Minute left here in the show, gentlemen. You've got uh, a number of different topics that folks want to focus on. Um, tell us how how will it work for the virtual uh, meetings? Will this be like a Zoom thing, and folks can talk back and forth to you,
3: Tony? Yes, Willis. Yes, yes, yes. It is going to be via Zoom. Okay, and so what we will do is we will share you know this information, and we know this is so critical because again this is what we, what you said, what the community said. So we're giving life and license to the voice of African Americans, and ultimately it will be that call that call to action that we hope will empower us to work towards addressing the, the, the solutions that you know that can hopefully improve the quality of living for more African Americans in Indianapolis.
1: And I know you said the first grants could be given out before Christmas when do you think the RF first RFPs will be due?
3: Uh, we are hopeful and, and mr. bright can can weigh in on this so we are hopeful to have that first RFP issued by the end of this month.
1: okay all right uh, we will look for all of the information on everything we've talked about this morning on, uh, the website. And that is I A A Q L org. And then again, there are five public meetings that are happening this month. The first one this week on Wednesday, October 6th from six until seven. And then another one later this week, uh, during the day on Saturday, October 9th, from 1130 until 1230. Uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Carlin, uh, Mr. Willis, Mr. Tony, thank you so much for spending uh, your Sunday with us and getting us caught up on how you all and the people of Indianapolis are trying to make this city a better place. Thank you so much for coming on.
2: Yeah, thank, thank you,
3: Cameron. Uh, appreciate you. Have all a great right,
1: day. you as well. That's going to do it for this edition of the Open Line Show. Coming up here on Hot 96.3 is all of your favorite music. And then on WTLC, it's the Hour of Power with Reverend Al Sharpton just seconds away. Do me a favor. Follow me on social media at Cameron Roto. We'll see you back here. Same time, same stations next Sunday, live at 8. Hey, hey, hey.